0: Here at Doxito Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. In December of 2019, as the first report started coming through of a contagious and possibly deadly virus spreading from China throughout the world, Zoom, which is a platform that virtually connects people across the globe, stood at 10 million daily users. About four or five months later, in April of 2020, as the spread of this virus grew rapidly across most countries, including South Africa, Zoom's daily users jumped from the 10 million in December of 2019 to 300 million daily users using the platform every single day. Which just goes to show the need that we as human beings have to stay connected. That we realized in that moment that we will have to look for alternative methods of staying connected to each other. It showed us the thread that keeps our society as we know it. Whether that be a business, a political party, a family or a group of friends. The thread that holds this all together is the fact that we are able to stay connected to each other in times like this. In that moment, the natural impulse that all of us as human beings have to remain connected to each other at all costs was so evident, and that coming from an introvert. Now in Genesis 3, God utters these words when he said, let us make man In our image. And in that moment, in that sentence, in that part where he says, Let us make man in our image, it's evident that we serve a God who within himself is a community who then creates someone, a person called Adam in his image and his likeness. And shortly after that, he realizes that it's not good for man to be alone and he goes on to create a partner in the form of Eve. And we witness this God who within himself is a community creating us in his image and likeness to reflect and resemble his image and his likeness. And one of the ways in which he replicates his likeness in us is in the fact that also in his creation there is a sense of connectedness between what he creates. When you read through the Old Testament, you notice the fact that not only does God work with people in an individualistic manner, but he works with them in a collective manner in the context of the communities that they find themselves in. You see, and if this is so evident in us as human beings created by God in his image and his likeness, We even see that in the physical creation around us. It is the fact that different solar systems make up our universe and different planets make up our solar systems. It's that different countries make up the earth and that different provinces make up a nation. And it is that different cities make up a region. It is that different neighborhoods make up a city and different families and households make up a neighborhood and that different individuals make up a family. See, we oftentimes look at things around us as though we are objective observers of everything taking place around us, instead of thinking of ourselves as intricately connected to all the things happening around us, seeing ourselves as intricately connected to every single part of society we come into contact with. We oftentimes look at our jobs as though we are removed from them, as though we are not an intricate part of what makes up our working environments. We stand in queues and lines in shopping centers, thinking of ourselves as as standing in the queue instead of thinking of ourselves as forming part of the queue or of the line. Now there's this billboard next to a highway, I think it is in, in the USA, that makes this statement. You are not in the traffic, you are the traffic. You see, the reality is that we cannot separate ourselves from the environments we come into contact with, because the reality is that we form part of what makes those environments what they are. We are intricately connected to those environments. And so on the backdrop of our imprinted DNA that makes us gravitate towards people, towards relationships, towards connectedness with one another. When we are faced with a coronavirus pandemic that paints our connectedness as a threat to our health and well-being, the question is raised, how do we navigate this as mankind? And how do we navigate this as believers? The fact that our proximity to each other is now a threat to our health and well-being. And so, as believers, if this is true, the fact that we yearn for connection with other people, if we see this reflected in nature, all the more it has to be reflected in our journey of faith and our being part of church. On October 28, 1951, Ronnie and Donnie Gallian was born, except for the fact that they were different from All other babies that were born on that day, in that year, and in that time, they were born conjoined at the abdomen. And so shortly after their birth, doctors realized that there were some of the organs that these two twin brothers only had one of. In fact, they they shared many of the organs that they had, and because of that, any attempt to try and separate these two brothers would be life-threatening to them. One of the terms that scripture uses to describe our part as believers to the church is that we are the body of Christ. And I like to think in the same way that these two twin brothers would have experienced life-threatening consequences if they tried to be separated. In the same way when we try and separate ourselves, when we are disconnected from the body of Christ, there's life-threatening consequences for us spiritually, because the reality is, according to scripture, as believers, we share a body in that sense. In John 17, verse 20 to 23, Jesus is about to get arrested. He's about to get crucified and killed, and he spent some time praying. And one of the prayers we see here in verse 20, he says the following, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking about his followers. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So, we see in the final moments before Jesus gets arrested, the thing that he's most concerned about is the unity, not only between those who stand inside of the kingdom of God, but he's concerned for the unity between those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are standing outside of the kingdom of God, knocking, waiting for an invitation to step into the kingdom of God. And we see his heart being concerned with oneness and unity and he says that the power of that connectedness will be that even outsiders will notice that God sent his son Jesus, not only to us, but for us. And like this scripture, there are many other scriptures where we see that according to Jesus, connectedness with each other Living in interrelatedness with fellow believers is not supplemental to our faith. In fact, it is essential to our faith. It's not something that we should have if we can have it. It's something that is essential to our faith. During World War II and shortly after that, there were many babies who lost both of their parents and were orphaned because of it. And there were many babies in hospitals during that time, and the the fatality or the mortality rate amongst babies started growing, but doctors had no physiological explanation why babies were dying. There was no medical explanation for why these children were dying. After much research, they found that the one thing that all the babies who died had in common was during their last few days on earth they had very few human interaction. Very few people came into physical skin-to-skin contact with these children. And they saw that the babies that actually survived were the babies who actually picked up, held, and had human interaction and connection. And I'd like to believe, looking at our spiritual lives, that there are so many things that point to this same thing. There's the fact that if we um, are isolated or removed or disconnected from fellow believers, that it could be fatal to our faith. Romans 1, verse 11 to 12. Paul is writing from prison to the church in Rome, and he says the following, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Verse 12 says, That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So in this moment, Paul points out something that is very contagious when we as believers are in close proximity with each other. And he says that there's a mutual beneficency, if I can put it like that, when we get together. All of us give and all of us receive. And it makes me think of of mutualism in the natural sense where this bird that lands on the back of this cow and starts eating the lice off of its body, it's a mutual benefiting relationship where the cow is lice-free and the bird gets fed. And in the same way, Paul is writing, when we are together, when we are connected to each other, we benefit each other mutually. See, there are some things that we cannot download. There are some things that we cannot stream to each other. And Paul is saying there's a mutual encouragement by one another's faith when we are connected to the body of Christ. And then another essential thing that Jesus puts on the table, on top of this relational connection being not supplemental but vital to our, our survival and our thriving as Christians. Paul adds that cross-cultural relational connection is also not just supplemental to my faith, but it is essential to my faith. In Galatians three twenty-eight, Paul writes, and he says this, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one, in Christ and Paul addresses the biggest division even in today's world not only back then but today most of our political discussions fights are about these three things that Paul touches on racial discrimination the biggest fights are about those who are rich versus those who are poor and the biggest fights are about discrimination based on gender and something we need to realize is when Paul uttered these words his audience would have been shocked. Because the reality is, for thousands of years, the Jews were the chosen people of God and the Gentiles were not. And in this moment, Paul is saying there, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, there is no longer slave nor free. All are equal before God. See, it's that God, Jesus Himself, is the foundation for the unity we can have, regardless of our social status, and regardless of what race we belong to. And just to prove to you today that God can bring any two people together, I want to quickly show you a picture of what I looked like when I was a student. And so when you take a look at that picture, you would see it's, I mean, it's shocking, right? I've aged fairly well. But when you look at my physical build back then, I weighed just more than a bag of potatoes and the hairstyle was just horrible. But my question to you is how was I able with that build and that hairstyle to get married to this lady? And the only logical explanation or conclusion is that God had to be involved. God was the reason why people from from different backgrounds, um, one looking very bad and one looking very good, could actually be united in marriage. And if God can do that, he can really unite any two groups of people. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had the following to say. He said, moreover, I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And the point that Martin Luther King is making and the point that Jesus is making is that there can never be them and us. And whenever there is them and us in our society, our peace is in jeopardy. And our connectedness is in jeopardy. And whenever there is them and us inside of the kingdom of God, our peace is in jeopardy and our connectedness is in jeopardy. Erwin McManus puts it like this. He says, God never intended for it to be us versus them. It was simply supposed to be us. Now, I want to invite my friend Tumi to join me. This is Tumi, and the reality about our relationship is that there are certain things that I, as a young, white, bearded man, believe about, to me, who is a young, black, semi-bearded, dreaded man. And there are some things that, to me, as a young, black, semi-bearded man, believe about me, who is a young, white, bearded man. And the reality for us, the way that we bridge the distance that we overcome the things that we assume and believe from one another, things that might have probably come from our past experiences of other people. The way we bridge this is not to put statistics on the table. It's not to go, to me, here is proof that not all young, white-bearded men act like you think we do. And the same is not that, to me, puts statistics on the table saying, this is proof that not all young, black, semi-bearded men do what you expect us to do. But just in the, in the exact same way, like my fear of flying is not overcome by the statistic that it's safer for you to travel by plane than by car. And, and in the same way that my fear for moths is not overcome by someone telling me that they are harmless, which by the way, they're not. But the way that we bridge our differences is in the fact that we are exposed each other. It's in the fact that we spend time together. It's in the fact that we are connected to each other. That's how we overcome our differences. Thank you to me. See, the reality for us is not only is connectedness inside of the kingdom of God essential to our faith, but Jesus is saying, connection, relationship, beyond your comfort zone, beyond your social reference, beyond your racial reference, is essential to your faith. In Revelation 7 verse 9, John gives us an insight into the glimpse that he has received about what heaven looks like. And he says the following in verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude no one could number, listen to this, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. That's the picture of the kingdom of God. That's the picture of heaven. You see, the power of connectedness is when White culture and black culture and colored culture and Indian culture come secondary to our one another, connectedness culture. That's what Jesus is putting on the table, and that is the power of connectedness, is that we cross any and every divide based on the foundation that Jesus has given us, We cross any and every divide that politicians for centuries have not been able able to cross. See, the power of connectedness is that the world in our connectedness and unity start to recognize that we are followers of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus starts shining through our connectedness. As he says in John 17, That our connectedness, not only within the church, but beyond the church, will confirm to the world that God sent His Son, Jesus. Not only to us, but for us. And that's the power of connectedness. It's when peace is restored. Not when I isolate myself. Not when I stay inside my comfort zone. Not when I cut myself off from a relationship with people or I make the decision not to mingle with a certain group of people. Peace is restored when I begin to understand that I'm intricately connected to my environment and to all groups of people. And it's in that moment that I start to become an advocate for connectedness and I start to become a peacemaker in every single environment I come into contact with. And maybe the challenge for you today is you need to reach your hand across the aisle or you need to reach out across the street or you need to get out of your comfort zone and get connected to the body of Christ. Maybe you're experiencing the life-threatening consequences of trying to separate yourself from the body that God has called you to walk in. Maybe your step of faith has to be that you start reaching out to people you would not normally reach out to and restore peace not only in yourself, but around you. And in the moment when you realize that you were designed for connectedness is when peace is restored inside but peace is also st- restored around you. Father, I want to pray today, Jesus. Won't you come and dig up the power of connectedness in our lives, Jesus? Cause relationships that have been broken to be restored. Cause us to function and walk and live and breathe in the body that you have called us to be part of. God. But I pray, Lord God, That we would be peacemakers, Lord God, that you can send out into the world to experience and be ambassadors of the power that comes when we connect not only to you, Jesus, but to your people and beyond. And may that be a testimony to outsiders, God, that you have been sent not only to us, but for us. We pray that in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.